sending us your Holy Spirit to help teach us and guide us. I thank you for just working already in this room, God. We can feel you here today. I, I thank you for that. I thank you for moving. I pray that you would continue to be with us as we worship you through the hearing of your word. That you would speak to each and every one of us. Help us to leave changed. And I pray that as we go throughout our week, on the forefront of our minds, we'd be sharing the gospel, building disciples, and loving those around us. Father, loving our neighbors, loving our community. Help us to see people as you see them. Help us to accept them just as you accepted us, Father. Help us to love as only we can love through your power. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may sit down. There is power in the name of Jesus. I'm going to let you speak to me this morning. What are some ways that you see in your life the power of Jesus? Just an instance where you have seen it. I'm not putting in anything else besides that power. David did. Remember when uh, when you read a psalm and he's down in the dumps and he's, oh, woe is me. He says, God, I remember when. Remember when. Remember the power of Jesus. And only Jesus can do that.
This past Thursday, a few of us had the opportunity to uh, enjoy uh, the time of Senior Citizen Day at Camp Pearl. Uh, there were plenty of donuts and coffee, and we ate a Thanksgiving meal. We also got to hear from Pastor Chuck Lott, who is a church planter and a retired Afghanistan veteran. Now, he experienced multiple tours in Afghanistan, multiple tours in other countries, was twice injured in combat, uh, lost buddies within feet of him, and he had daily life and death struggles uh, as they were there in combat. And he shared during his time that he was speaking, uh, during his message, he shared about his most terrifying life-altering encounter that he had ever had in his life with an Afghani family on Christmas Eve. The one thing that stuck with me was after he had finished, and it was during question and answer time, Don Barrett asked him, knowing all that he had been through, all the things that he had seen, it was all in, 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 uh, in honor of Veterans Day, he asked Pastor Lott, would you do it again? Knowing all that you know, having been injured and having seen all of the death and destruction, and uh, by the way, he was a sniper, so you know he, he delivered the guns as well. Um, he said, would you do it over again? Without a heartbeat say, and, I, and I, I'm saying this for this reason, he went on to say that we are the network of salvation. Everything that you and I have experienced and our response to them is what makes us who we are. I know people who have drifted through life never went below the surface, just drifted along in life and had uh, the proverbial uh, silver spoon in their mouth and, and never really experienced anything. That's really not what he said. But it's those who have been in the depths, it's those who have suffered, it's those who have had some of those life-altering experiences and who have come out the other end better have come out the other end knowing that God has been in control. We are the network of, of our life experiences. You see, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, have hope. We've got God pulling us forward. We've got God working behind the scenes. Um, see, the Apostle Paul knew that he had a genuine faith in God's providence. He knew that God was working behind the scenes in his life, whether things were easy, whether things were hard. 
He said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever state I am. After having been beaten, what did the disciples do? They thanked God that they were counted worthy to suffer in the similar fashion that Jesus did. And then they said, and they prayed for more boldness to go out and do it all over again. And the, patriarch, the patriarch Joseph acquired similar confidence when he spoke to his brothers when they came to him and he revealed to them who he was after a certain period of time. See, he summarizes so well to his brothers this amazing God's providence where he says in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? And as per you, he goes back to the story and he reminds his brothers, you guys put me in a pit. You guys meant it for evil. He said, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. You will never know. I will never know all of the benefits of the power of suffering until we realize that God is a sovereign God providentially ordering everything in our lives. You see, we will never be able to appreciate the sufferings that you and I go through. That's what I've, I've said over these, these past four weeks. Don't waste a second. You'll never truly be able to appreciate all the horrible, all of the difficult, all of the, even just the, the, uh, the disappointing and the, the trivial things that you and I go through. You'll never truly be able to appreciate it until we realize that we have a sovereign God providentially ordering everything that is around us for your good and for your good. Everything God does is for your good and my good and for his glory. Once we come to accept that God is in control of all things, you'll be much better prepared to be able to handle things because of the suffering that you and I go through and that he may choose to send our way. Romans 8, 28, we know that what? God uses all things. God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. We've referenced Romans 8, 28 every single week. Why? Because everything we go through, God will use it. Good, God will use it for his honor, his glory. Bad, God will use it for his honor, his glory. See, last week we talked about our roots in Christ. So my question is, where are you? How deep are your roots in Jesus Christ? Just like that oak tree that told the wind, I didn't realize how strong I was until you beat against me and tried to uproot me. So many, many years I've been spending my roots in that tree. So how deep are your roots? Do you have roots at all? How much of God's glory are you seeing in your life? You know, this morning as we wound down this, this series, <clears throat> God's fire, refi refining gold, I have three things that I would like to share with us very quickly. And hopefully, 
so that we can come out of the outer room of our shadows just like Job did until God brought us into the room of his glory. The first thing is that we need to know that doctors are far from perfect. You see, it's a whole lot easier when you go to the doctor and they give you a horrible tasting medicine or just like I remember when Megan, I remember when, uh, who, who else worked at my house that day? Terry. Um, you know, when, when, when as parents, we have a very, very, very young child, and the doctor says, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to spread this, I'm going to have to reduce this, and he's going to cause some pain. And he explains, I have to do this in order for this to heal the child. You see, when we realize that trial suffering, frustration, they don't mean so much. It's a whole lot easier to go through it knowing that we can come out the other side better than when we went in. And there are ten great reasons for this. I'm going to go through these fairly quickly. I won't spend too much time on these, but but these are ten great reasons for trials in our life. Now note these and understand these because they are going to be able to help you when the next trial comes. We're, we're, we're all either preparing for a trial, in the middle of a trial, or just coming out of one. We're all preparing for the next illness or the next problem, or we're in the middle of one, or we just come out of one. And you see, that's the cycle of life. So the first thing is, trials are part of God's work. The problems in our lives are part of God working in our lives. You see, God never says, oops. What is one thing you never want your surgeon to say while you're on the operating table? Oops. (laughs) I don't think you'll need that. Uh, You know, uh, because God never is caught by surprise. See, the surgeon is not in complete control, but God is. So nothing catches God by surprise. He's in control of all of our problems, all of our trials. God is not on the throne wringing his hands and waiting, wondering how the outcome or what the outcome is going to be. You see, even if I can't see how I'm going to get through this, I can be confident that God's working it out for his glory. And this helps me to stop worrying. This helps me to, it doesn't always work that way because sometimes I need to be uh, more pliable than God can. But we need to understand that our hearts can be at peace when we remember that God promises to work everything in our lives for my good and for his glory. Pain knocks at the curtain. Look at Psalm 36. Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And then Romans 8, 28. We referenced that a little bit ago. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Trials are part of 
Number two, trials put God's power on display. The problems that you and I go through, the pain, the troubles, the the difficulties, the frustrations. You don't realize it, but those things are the things that put God's power on display. When God allows us to step into a tribulation, to step into a trial, he may be getting ready to work for his honor and his glory. Historically, this is how God pretends to work. Remember Gideon? And when the Midianites were coming and they were going to just raise the entire uh, area, steal all the crops, and, and take over, well, here was Gideon. This, he, was, he was afraid. Uh, he was threshing and, uh, the, the grain and, and he was doing it in such a way that they wouldn't see him, so he's trying to hide. He doesn't really want to upset their flavors at all. God says, Gideon, I've chosen you. And he started off. He started off with an army one-fifth of the size of the Midianite army. But trials and difficulties and problems put God's power on display. Remember what God did? Look at Judges chapter 7 and verse Number two, Judges chapter 7 and verse number 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you. Now, remember, he had one-fifth, an army, one-fifth the size of the Midian army. One-fifth the size. They were down for the count already. What did God say? The people you've got with you are are what? Oh, Oh, wait a minute, God. I don't know if you know, I don't know if you're using uh, the new math or what. But God, it just doesn't seem right. What do you mean we've got too many? The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Why did God say that? He said, let Israel do what? Claim glory for itself. So what did God what did, what did God want to do? God wanted to put his power on display. Saying, my own hand has saved me. And those of you who know the story of Gideon, what happened? Brought them all to the edge of the water. And he said, come on, guys, drink. And some of them, you know, they just go in there and they're lapping up the water. 300 of them water in their hands, and shook them out of their hands all at once. He said, okay, I got it. Midianite army was defeated with 300 soldiers. Why? Well, Israel couldn't say, man, the Lord said, my God, you know, you did, and you did, and you did, and you His power on display so the Israelites couldn't say, we saved ourselves. So when you go through a problem or a trial or a tribulation or loss of health or whatever it is, and God works miraculously or God is able to give you peace and joy in the midst of it until he takes you home, everyone can say, I'm still in God's hands. 
with his followers on display. Number three, trials prepare me for service, <laughs> even little trials. See, here's the bad news. When God wants to work in a big way, he, it often involves one of his servants facing a trial. So we need to be ready for the big storms and the big trials in our life. So how can God prepare us for the big things? sends us some little things and he sees how we do he sends us some little tests well if i want god to trust me with big tasks god will see how i do by testing me on some of the little things and so many people will say well that's not my you know i want to do this and i want to do big stuff you know, you know, I'm not willing to volunteer to vacuum cars. I'm not here to volunteer to, to, uh, to work in the kitchen. You know, I want to do some big things. I want to do some big things. And God says, God can't trust you in little things. God can't trust you in the meanest of things. He says, what, do you, what makes you think I can trust you with the big stuff? See, God sends tests into our lives. Every trial God sends our way, even in our daily frustrations, are meant to test us and grow us stronger. You know, if I want God to use me for some big things, I've got to have a little test. Much like our physical body grows stronger when we start off with those light weights, and then we continue adding weights, and add weights, and add weights, and our body gets stronger. And the stronger we get, we can lift heavier weights, but the more our, our body grow, uh, gets stronger, we got to use heavier weights in order to continue growing. Now, that won't sound like fun, does it? God will use little trials in order to prepare us for the bigger things. God uses tests. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, Paul says, but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so we glory in problems in our lives, not because they're fun, not because they're enjoyable, but he says because we know what they produce. We know they produce hope. Faith and endurance produces hope. Hope has its work in our lives. Then number four, trials sanctify us. Trials sanctify us. See, I don't always handle trials very well. I don't always handle difficulties very well. Now, maybe that's one reason God called me to be the pastor. I don't know. <laughs> uh, because it's, it's just like one little thing after another. When things don't go as planned, when I'm stuck with, with busy work or traffic is, is endless, you know, ministry struggles, paperwork, uh, all of these things, I realize just how important God is. Just put me behind that church altar. And I realize how important I am. Even if I don't have anywhere to go. I mean, I mean seriously. I'm just going to go grab in this afternoon and you know I don't have to be anywhere at any particular rush 
And I, now I, I'm not one of those honk the horn drivers. You know, I, I mean, not real. I mean, I'm not one of those guys. But but God did. Did you just hear what I just said? Um, Cadmus horn. And but God uses those things to know today. See, the trials don't cause me to sin by being impatient, by being restless. They simply reveal it. And that's what the problem, you know, when I say this, the problem here is ego that we're all, we're already revealing a mindset. If we're, if we're ashamed or if we're, uh, if we're impatient or if we're this or if we're that, we're trying to carry those things up and things don't go the way we think they should. If you tap a volcano, what's going to happen? It'll blow out the side. Uh, if you if you try to tap your anger by not getting upset at your kids, then you'll probably kick the dog, <laughs> and you'll probably get impatient at the next driver that you have to follow. So the thing is, it'll only reveal what is going on in our lives. Trials reveal our weaknesses. They reveal our inner sin. So only once I can see my sin can I allow God to work in my life. See, the grace battle is not going on around me. The grace battle is inside of me. See, because of this, God's trials have been some of the greatest weaknesses I have seen there Let's look at James chapter 1. The book of James has a lot of practical, practical truths for us as followers of Jesus. He says in verse 2, chapter 1, My brethren, count it all joy. Really? That's strange. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, all different kinds of trials, knowing, just like Paul, he said, I know what they produce in my life, Knowing that the testing of your faith, the same type of refining process, and it's not like a test to see how much you know, it's a, it's a, it's a test to prove and to refine the metal. Testing your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, its complete work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Trials sanctify us. Trials make me dependent, guys. The worse things get. It should move me, push me to trust God and to depend on Him even more. God uses trials uh, to turn and to move my dependence totally on to Him. See, He wants me to cling to Him in times of peace and in times of peril. He wants us to cling to Him all the time. The greatest battle that is waged for the glory of God is not the one around me, it's the one inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. The greatest battle that's going on is not around me. It's the battle that's going on inside of me. God wants us to be moved to total dependence on Him. See, my my sinful heart doesn't want to relinquish control. Your sinful heart doesn't want to relinquish control of your life. You don't like being dependent. Like independence can it just wipe you out of life? Trials and weaknesses 
detox from embezzling with you. What happens when someone embezzles? They take and they steal something that's not theirs. When you and I feign independence and we say, look, I am my own person. I Everything I've got, I've worked hard for, and it's mine. And, and what are we doing? We're embezzling God's glory. We're saying that I, I, I can point to myself and I've got it because I did it. It's all to the glory of God. See, our trials make it clear that God alone is the author and cause of our trials. So trials make me depend on him. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 28 and 29. And the faith things, the, the promised things of this world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why does God use sometimes unsuspecting people to make the greatest impact in our lives? That most likely, clearly, Jesus Christ has no place or glory in your presence. 1 Corinthians 1.31. That it is written, he who glorifies, if you want to boast, boast in the Lord. Let him glory, if you want to glory, let him glory in the Lord. So trials make me depend on God. Number six, trials show others that God is dependable. Trials show others that God is dependable. As you and I go through trials, other people are watching. As you and I suffer, other people are watching. As you and I speak, other people are listening. Are we speaking Jesus? Or are we speaking, oh, woe is me. This is terrible. This is horrible. I don't deserve this. What's going on? Why, why, why? See, they're watching to see if you and I respond in faith. Because they know, or they ought to anyway, that you're a follower of Jesus. And that you claim to be a follower of Jesus. And that you claim to be different. And that God is all that you need. So they're watching to see if you respond in faith. Having peace in the midst of comfort is what? It's normal. I mean, when you're, when you're, when, when you're comfortable, you're at peace. That's normal. That's, that, that's where most people want to be. But having peace in the midst of pain is not having peace in the midst of a problem is not normal you see god wants us not to be normal god wants us to be revolutionary and i would even go as far as to say god wants us to be revolutionary not that we're toppling governments but that we are revolutionary that we are salt or light and we're making a difference in this world because of who we are and because of the message that we have and the care that God has for us. See, trials give, you, trials give you an opportunity to teach God is dependable. You see, if I complain or have a bad attitude when I'm going through a trial, I forfeit 
my opportunity to speak to her. You know, when you're lying in a hospital bed, when you're uh, going through something difficult, maybe a financial trial or relationship trial, and you complain and have a bad attitude about it, we are missing the greatest opportunity for God's dying child for your confidence our opportunity to speak the word of God, for God entrust us with this so that we can be a light. Let's not waste our opportunity. Look at First Peter. First Peter chapter 3. I'm going to go through, preach out of what a scripture this morning. If you didn't want to uh, figure that out. First Peter chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, he says, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. He said, but sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with patience and fear. God wants our trials. He wants to use our trials to show us how to speak with Number seven, trials show us and others that God is infinitely valuable. See, as you and I go through trials, troubles, problems, uh, with peace and joy, again, other people around us, they're watching eagerly to come in joy. When we have joy in the midst of loss, it shows the world that Jesus is Lord. Do you ever lost someone? Do you ever lost someone? something we say to God and to the world he loves my family what you're telling the world is that Jesus loves you you're telling the world that yes this is dear to me but Jesus is better I'm willing to give up anything for Jesus hallelujah you know unfortunately Joy in the midst of loss is not an easy thing. It may not be for you. Self-pity gives you sympathy, but uh, you will not do both. Ready? So before I respond in joy, God's got to teach me that Jesus is better than anything this world can ever tell me. Jesus is better than anything this world can do. He teaches you and he teaches me and us that This doesn't mean you laugh it off. Don't take it. Don't think it's a healthy practice at all. Even if you lose everything, lose your health, lose your money, lose your family, lose your dignity, lose your reputation, God still loves you. And here, we can even say this phrase, Whom have I in heaven but
is none upon earth that I desire besides you, Simon said. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And then we read in Habakkuk chapter 3. This was a, a terrible time for Israel. And this was part of Habakkuk's prayer. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the field yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. What he's saying is, if we're in the midst of famine, if I don't have a crop, if I lose all my money, if I lose everything, if the, the, the olive tree doesn't yield, if the, if the flocks are cut off and I've got nothing left, he goes on to, to pray. Verse 18, he prays to God, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. If I lose everything, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy when the dice are cast. We don't often read that prayer in Habakkuk. Though the fig tree doesn't blossom, fruit yield no food, no fruit of the vines, the grapes are sweet. Though the labor of the olive may fail, crops this year won't blossom. No, no animals. So no meat. No, no herd in the stalls. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will hope in God my Savior. For the Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like Jacob's feet. He will make me walk upon Trials are an opportunity for reward. God entrusts trials to us as a gift, and we are storing up rewards in heaven. One day we're going to take those rewards, and what are we going to do? We're going to pass them to the feet of Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, be found to praise, honor, and glory in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Number nine, trials may be spiritual warfare. The more ground you and I stand in God, the closer we have to what we believe about God. Psalms 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good cheer, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 1 John 4, 4, you are God's little children and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Friends, have you been in spiritual warfare? God may be strengthening you. Trials may be spiritual warfare. Problems you go through, God deals with them in this life. Get back up again. Start with a fight. Even though this is last in the list, that's really where we need to take a step and draw near. God often uses trials. loving Father, He wants to restore us to fellowship with Him. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? 
my son, do not despise the shaking of the hand, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked for it. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and chastens every son Personally, God, and know thy son, Father, know my own, know thy own God, and continue to seek only his will, and leave me not to perish, utterly alone. For every member of the revealed seek the Lord, and trust in him, and his favor. Peter 1, 6-9, which is every bit as valuable as that one we're speaking of, that we read in our daily lives. Preach gold, silver, don't smelt it down, smelt it down. But through Jesus, even our sins are as pure as the blood of Christ. does all things in our life for our good and for his glory. And no more. Not half-heartedly, faithfully, which means that you are not going to fail in the blaze of your faith. Let us stand and pray. Peter 6.19 Therefore, you do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory while we do not look at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal so what's the whole message remember that every moment and event in your life means that Jesus is seen in you God is working in your life Know this, God is in complete control. Remember what I said at the beginning when Pastor Lust said that he had, an, he had a life-altering, the most fearful encounter in his entire life with this Afghani family? He was a sniper, as he said, and as they were out on patrol, he was told by the agent, sergeant at the time, he said, this building, this house, we need you to get into this house, get on the roof, and you will be overwatched. And he said, he was, uh, he was the breach bearer. So he took his weapon, slung it over his shoulder, and it was, it was Christmas Eve. He said it was near midnight. Am I correct? I, I usually say it was around midnight. So here he is. He is on his knees, on his knees, said he's got his, his tools that he's going to pick this lock. He said it was weighted on the end, and he said, 
that is weapon slung over his shoulder, midnight in Mosul, and he's taking the life of another believer. And he says, his law clerk slips from his hand, puts a crown on his head, bring him back up and bind him behind the curtain and say, he says, I have no hands and no feet. The life is his, the life is in my hands. I can't take it. He says, he said, I was, I was not in a position to understand that. He said, the door opened. He said, when that door began to open, he said, I knew that I was going to be face to face with Jesus Christ. That was his experience. He prefaced that by saying, just that week, but he said, five, five of his buddies were killed. Eight, eight, eight of his buddies were killed that week. He said, I was not in a good place. You know why? He said, I wanted revenge. He said, I know God called me to preach when I was 17 years old. He said, here I was. Sniper in Afghanistan in a war. door opened, an Afghani man there at the door, long hallway, single light at the end of the hallway. He said, do you know what I see? I see a picture of Jesus said this Afghani man, of course he said in, in my broken uh, Arabic and he said and this man is speaking in his broken English and he says there was a wife and two teenage daughters they went away early he proceeded to go up the stairs to go to the roof the other two I think women who were with him uh, did, were going to watch the family he said he, they noticed that they were grabbing all the food in the house. And there was just just a handful. He said, he said, one of my buddies came up the stairs, came up to the roof and said, they're cooking dinner. Midnight. He said, they're cooking dinner. They proceeded to cook these soldiers Christmas dinner. before they left he said this Afghani gentleman asked me to take my life he said I don't know what he said <laughs> but he said I just felt like Jesus saved me and he says as we were getting ready to leave one of the teenage girls came and unzipped his bag and began stuffing it
Don asked him, he said, he said, he said, brother, he said, you said you've been in multiple countries. Uh, he, re he retired for the military. He was in, I think he said, doing at least two, maybe three tours in, in Afghanistan, Africa, and other countries. He said, have you ever met another believer in all of your tours in Vietnam? facing the most serious ordeal and the most fearful ordeal he thought he might ever face in the world. God had a plan for him. Changed his life. And the Bible says he kept his faith. Later this summer he graduated from St. Thomas Seminary. Our Father, we thank you for your hand being on our thank you that just like Pastor Lon, no matter what we're going through, it does, nothing takes you by surprise. You're not wringing your hands up in heaven wondering how this thing is going to happen because you've already got them prepared. You've already, you've already got them planned for our good and for your glory. Father, we realize that things don't always